a big push with uh, college education, which, you know, nine times out of 10 leads you towards a, uh, a white collar career, which is fine. And that's not wrong per se. Um, what's wrong is trying to fit everybody in that same box. Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software. You're invited to join our MEP and construction innovation adventure with a mission to propel this great industry forward. My guest today is Josh Zolan. He's the CEO of Windy City Equipment Services. From his beginnings as a technician, Josh rose through the ranks to become CEO. The company was named to INC's 5,000 list fastest growing companies in America in 2018. And he is the author of the book, Blue is the New White and hosts of the podcast by the same name. Welcome to the show, Josh. Thank you, Todd. I'm really excited to be here, man. Yeah, excited to dive into the, the conversation. I, I always like to get people's kind of backstory. How'd you get into the industry? You want the long version or the short version? <laughs> the, the entertaining version. All right. The entertaining version uh, goes like this. So um, I grew up on a farm in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and uh, that is not where I got my blue collar roots. So don't even go there. Uh, the, the farm was actually a converted uh, farm into a stunt school. So uh, stunts like jumping off buildings, getting lit on fire, you know, all, all of that fun stuff. Uh, it's my entire. Uh, so that was around you in childhood. What's that? That was around you in childhood. That's right. Oh, nice. absolutely. Yeah, that's that's how I was raised. That's actually uh, what I thought I was going to do for the rest of my life was be a stunt person because my grandfather was a, a stunt man. All my is hosted, stunt directed, man. My mom and was produced a stunt woman by Todd and my dad Wyatt. was a stunt man. Edited nice. and produced so by Eric Daniel. That was kind of the family Bridging business the and that's what I grew up knowing production. and doing and that's what Copyright set me apart. That's what I identified with. So moved out to California to pursue that. Um, only took a couple of years to realize how much it hurts. And, uh, you know, honestly, you know, it, it just wasn't my passion. It's what I identified with. So it was hard to tear myself away from it. Um, and it's kind of all I knew. I was very vocal about not going to college because I already had my path set. Uh, but at the end of the day, I had to look in the mirror and be honest with myself and say, I've got more of an entrepreneurial spirit and uh, I don't like being a rag doll for somebody who somebody else thinks is more important than me, essentially at the end of the day. Right. Yeah, uh, that's uh, there's no glory in the stunt industry. Let's just let's just put it that way. It's all about the thrill. <laughs> so, but uh, I, so I had called up my dad uh, when I, after right before I moved to California, he had moved out to Arizona uh, to work in the restaurant industry, um, repairing restaurant equipment and stuff like that. And it was just him at the time uh, turning wrenches. And he didn't have any employees or anything like that. So when it came time, I called him up and I said, dad, I have no idea what you do for a living, uh, but I'd love to come out there and, uh, and work with you. You know, I don't want to see you on your hands and knees the rest of your life. And uh, I, I think we can really grow whatever it is that you do. Mm -hmm. So uh, packed up my stuff that weekend and left California and uh, moved here to Arizona with, uh, with my dad. And he taught me everything he knew, you know, and I, I went up through the ranks of being an actual technician for 10 years. I was in the field about 10 years. Um, and he taught me everything, you know, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> believe me. I, I had, I was all thumbs when it came to, uh, uh, to using the tools and, and stuff like that. But, um, once I was able to actually get my arms around what it meant to be a technician and what it meant to, uh, do blue collar work and, and stuff like that, 
Um, that's when I started to really understand the blue collar trades, what they were, what the opportunities were that existed and, and all that. So as far as how I got into it, that's, that's the entertaining version of, <laughs> of how I got into it. Nice. So what was it that gripped you about the, the trade? So that's how you got into it, but yeah. what kept you in it? So I think it was the satisfaction. Uh, initially it was, it was the satisfaction, right? I'm one of those people that um, I love laying my head on a pillow at night, knowing that I accomplished something that day. And uh, I, I didn't really get that from the stunt industry. I didn't really uh, find that because I had worked, you know, a couple of odd jobs and stuff like that. Um, but I, I knew that wasn't in the white collar space for me. I couldn't just, you know, punch numbers into a spreadsheet all day and feel accomplished. Mm -hmm. So I think it was what hooked me was just as funny as it sounds coming home tired and sweaty and greasy, you know, and actually feeling like I accomplished something, you know, because every single time I finished a job and somebody said, thank you. Um, it was almost like a vote of confidence, like, Hey, you know, you're, you're on the right track. You're doing what you're supposed to do. And, uh, and you can, you can sleep tonight because, you accomplished something, you learned something, you did something, you built something, you fixed something and you helped somebody. So mm -hmm. nice. So you said blue is the new white. Yeah. Why is blue the new white? What do you mean by that? <laughs> it's a good question. You know, the book's been out for since 2019 and I don't know that anyone has actually asked me that specific question. Um, the simple answer is that, uh, we're all taught uh, that white collar jobs are the way to go, right? You see the posters work smart, not hard, uh, all of this stuff, the big push with uh, college education, which, you know, nine times out of 10 leads you towards a, uh, a white collar career, which is fine. And that's not wrong per se. Um, what's wrong is trying to fit everybody in that same box. Mm -hmm. um, and that coupled with the media stereotypes and perceptions of the blue, blue collar trades right? Thinking that it's a second rate career, it's low quality, menial work. Um, you know, anybody can do it kind of is the attitude. And so the significance of blue is the new white is unveiling that there are more opportunity. I would argue that there are more opportunities in the blue collar space, as far as trajectories and benefits and overall pay than there is in, in the white collar path. So blue is the new white is supposed to signify that um, your chances of success going the blue collar route are equal to, if not more than the white collar route. What do you think led to the, the duality there between blue and white? Because if you, you flash forward or flash back a yeah. hundred years or so, the, or more, you know, the blue collar jobs was just most of the jobs. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. It's, really in fact it's still kind of like that <laughs> we just don't think of it like in those terms but, but what what caused that kind of split in career paths does that make sense absolutely it makes sense and and i think you know we can't isolate it to one specific thing i think it's a combination of things but everything is cyclical uh right in my mind everything is cyclical and you're right. There was a time when industry ruled all. And if you had a job, chances are it was a blue collar jobs, a skilled trade type of job. 
Um, you know, and back then, listen, those jobs were in abundance. So what happens when something is in abundance, it's not worth as much, right? So people weren't being paid as much, right? Safety, uh, safety standards weren't, weren't up to par like they are today. So it was very, it was extremely hard on people's bodies and stuff like that. Um, so it's not work that they wanted to do. So when higher education and colleges came into existence, you immediately had all these blue collar workers who wanted better for their kids, right? So they made it a point, um, a, a point of pride even to send the next generations off to get a higher education and go the white collar route so they didn't have to work with their hands. And simultaneously, colleges had put out some mass campaigns, obviously incredibly effective campaigns that basically said, you don't have to do this type of work. You don't have to work with your hands. You can work with your head and it's easier on your body. You can get paid more. It's more comfortable. You know, all these different promises, which was great at the time because, you know, there was a lot of people that, hey, that's, that's what success was to them. But then what happened was the pendulum shifted so far in that direction that everybody forgot about the blue collar trades became white noise and people failed to understand that this entire industry is what manufactures civilization as we see it today. Mm -hmm. Right. And that means something <laughs> that means a lot. And of course, then you, you know, you talk about supply and demand and the, the, the demand went up, the supply went down of blue collar workers. So the wages went up and now, I mean, I don't have to tell you in, in these industries, I mean, people are making unbelievable wages. Applied Software believes that heroes are built. The men and women of construction are those heroes. In an effort to honor the dedicated workers who build our infrastructure and future, Applied Software is seeking to shine a spotlight on construction by providing lunch to Lucky Crews as part of Food Truck Fridays. Want your company spotlighted? Enter to win lunch on Applied by following three easy steps. Step one, post a picture of you and your crew on LinkedIn. Step two, tag Applied Software in your post. Step three, use the hashtag HeroesAreBuilt. Your crew just might be selected to be part of Food Truck Fridays. Yeah. Do you see the, the pendulum? slowly starting to swing back from the, I think we, we, we so overcorrected on your, your point of the, the, the blue collar kind of generation pushing their kids into to college and, and being prideful of that. And that's awesome. Uh, do you see it, it's swinging back to now we have to, or people are starting to highlight the blue collar trades and, and pushing people into trade schools or, or, or when do you see it? swinging back if it's not? I think we're almost there. I don't know that we're there yet. Uh, you know, I think we've overcorrected to a point that, uh, you know, it's almost like the damage has to be done in order to open our eyes and realize that, you know, uh, maybe we do have to swing it back a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm really involved in like the blue collar circles. You mentioned, I got the book, I run a blue collar company, you know, uh, so my entire network is blue collar. So it's really hard for me sometimes to see, you know, what the actual perception is from a, from a worldview, or, you know, if I'm just, if I've got tunnel vision, just because my network is so ingrained in the blue collar trades, sure. you know what I mean? So I try to take a bird's eye view 
on everything. And that's why I remain just a little bit skeptical. It wasn't, it wasn't so long ago that shop class was taken out of high schools, right? That was uh, sometime in between when I graduated and now um, they started going away. I have seen a greater push and actually, I don't know if this is going to be controversial or not. Um, luckily, I don't really care. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but listen, in 2020, when uh, COVID hit and uh, so many people were working from home and uh, universities couldn't uh, get students and stuff like that. Everybody had to do their, their learning online. Mm -hmm. I think people started to have a little bit of a shift in mindset because one of the industries, several of the industries that never shut down were the blue collar trades because they are essential. Yeah, for sure. And so people started to see this and, you know, I'm, listen, I'm a, I'm a, a, a perpetual optimist, or at least I try to be right. And I, I see the, the good in people. And, um, I think that the coming generation looked at that and at least asked themselves the question, are the blue collar trays really that bad? And that's all it takes is that question to get that pendulum to start its shift. So I think we're right there, Todd. I think that, you know, um, if it hasn't started to really shift yet, we're right at the beginning stages of it, you know, and that's why I'm so excited about my work and, and your work, because we get to, we get to give it a little extra push. Right. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. I, I think you're spot on in that the, the last two years that door has been open to what else is, is out there. Yeah. I, I think uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but the, the pendulum swinging back is, is maybe hard to, to see because there is kind of this blurring too of blue collar and, and white collar jobs in the sense that the construction industry is, there's so many different facets of construction and the trades and you can, you can be in the trades, but you're at a desk job all day, you know, doing 3d modeling and design and detail work. And it's, there's such this blurring that there's so many different opportunities that if somebody wants to be creating something and building something, they don't necessarily have to be on the job site all day, every day. They can still have their hand in it, but be very tech centric. That's absolutely right. I agree hundred percent. And I would argue that that's exactly what needs to happen. Those lines need to get blurred because these people need to see that it's, you know, when you're a plumber, it's not just about fixing toilets all day. You know, because that's the perception, right? If, mm. if I become a plumber, I'm going to have to change 50,000 toilets and then I'm going to die, you know, and that's not the way that it is, right? There, I mean, the, what goes into it is so involved and so intricate that people don't understand. So to be able to blur the lines and, and highlight these careers that are in the office, in the parts department, in management, in design, you know, in new builds, all of this stuff, you know, is just injecting more people into the industry, which is a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because the more people that are in the industry that love the industry, will talk about the industry, will, which will get more people in the industry. And mm -hmm. that really is, you know, that, that really is how it's done. And then you take it a step further, right? Because when you, when you think about the old school trades, you think about, you know, hard-nosed old school people, values, and cultures, right? Where, hey, you're lucky to have a job, go to work, you know, uh, work as hard as you can. Leave for your problems you at the door. Yeah. Your problems at the door, all of this stuff. But again, as a result of 2020 and then 2021 with, 
you know, the uh, supply issues and the inflation and everything else, people are starting to understand. And when I say people, I mean, business owners in the blue collar trades are starting to understand that they have to do things differently culture wise if they want to attract and retain talent. Mm. So you have these lines being blurred. Right. And, and these people understanding that there are far more trajectories within the trades that they thought, plus the culture shift that's happening, you know, so we could really be setting the stage to turn these blue collar careers into a white collar type of feel and culture, which can only help the industry. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what's, uh, what should people really know about the skill traits that they don't currently? Oh, there's so, there's so many things, uh, <laughs> you know, it's hard. Cause like I came into the industry fixing restaurant equipment when I was in high school, I had no idea that that was even a career. I had, I never thought about it. I was never taught about it. No one ever said anything about it. Like I know I went to a restaurant and ordered food, but I didn't really give a second thought to how it got in front yeah. of me, sure. you know? So, so, you know, it's, it's hard because there are the, uh, most people don't know most things that go into the blue collar trades. If I had to pick one or two, probably that people didn't understand, um, or let's say would make the biggest impact. I would say, I would say this, I would say that entrepreneurship right now is on a pedestal. Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Everybody wants to own their own business. I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of people, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's an aspiration for many people. And, uh, I think that a good chunk of the people that want to be entrepreneurs are looking in the wrong places because one of the best ways to become an entrepreneur is to learn a skill, right? That's, that's where I was. I, I was able to learn a skill, a valuable skill that accomplished one of two things or both a thing that people didn't want to do or a thing that people couldn't do, right? Mm -hmm. If you can fulfill one of those, you've got yourself a business if you've, if you've got the will to run it. Um, so I think that as an entry point to entrepreneurship, the blue collar skilled trades could be a fast path to that. I don't like using the word quick money because it doesn't exist, but I think that it could be uh, a, a viable path to accomplish something that somebody deems what their passion, right. And entrepreneurship through a path that they may not immediately consider their passion, like fixing fryers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So that's probably what I would say. So to potentially pick it, uh, intergenerational scab here, uh, and give voice to, uh, uh, perspective is <laughs> the, or you mentioned about people wanting to be entrepreneur entrepreneurs and the best way into that is, is learning a skill, but do most people have a misconception then of what it actually is to be an entrepreneur and to, to run your own business. <laughs> and so that they don't want, like the, the reason why they're saying that is that they, they want all the perks, but not the hard work and the, that learning the skill might be the, the hang up. <laughs> <laughs> in that in that path of that story <laughs> anyone ever tell you you should be a politician way to navigate that one yeah man i think that there's a lot of validity to that and uh and i'll say it right a lot of people want to be entrepreneurs because they don't want to work um 
and it, it is it's true right i mean to a point you know people want the perks they want to make their own hours they want to be their own boss they don't want to answer to anybody um so yes i think that that absolutely exists and that's why i interjected that one that one word when i said it, as long as they have the will right yeah, yeah. to be an entrepreneur because that's what it takes you know you don't make your own hours your your business makes your hours you you don't answer to nobody you answer to your customers every single day you know and it, it takes uh, the utmost personal responsibility and work ethic to even consider being an entrepreneur because you're going to fail 20 times before you succeed once and you're going to do that process 100 times before you realize anything of substance so yeah i think that uh you're probably you're probably right you know there are a lot of people um see the skill as a barrier to entry if you will uh, to to entrepreneurship but that's where i come in that's where you come in you know and uh, and that's where we talk about the importance and the benefit and the overall value of learning that skill you mm -hmm. know which is why i think it's so important to this is something i do in my company right is I provide a trajectory, you know, no gone are the days where you can bring somebody in or you can tell somebody, Hey, this is your overall opportunity right here. This is your opportunity, right? You're going to start here. I'm not going to tell you all the steps that it takes to get here. I'm not going to tell you how to do all this or what you need to accomplish to get here. I'm just going to tell you that this is it because people get burned out these days way quicker than it takes to get there. Mm -hmm. So you have to provide a path. A trajectory and it's the same thing in entrepreneurship right if we have the ability to lay out okay this is step one this is what you need to do and this is what's going to be involved this is step two this is what you need to learn this is how you're going to need to act this is step three you know uh, we have that ability in this day and age if we were to utilize it so i think that you know the tools are available for us to help shift that mindset too hey innovators is there a way to prepare your company for successful implementation of technological innovation? After over 115 episodes talking with some of the best minds in the construction industry, the answer is a resounding yes. There are building blocks that you can put into place that will form the foundation for your company to successfully implement technology. I have compiled my thoughts from those conversations into a new ebook simply titled Foundational Building Blocks for Successful Tech Adoption. You can download the ebook for free at our website, bridgingthegappod.com. After you have, I'd love to hear your feedback. As always, keep innovating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. Uh, one of the, the other areas, we mentioned it towards the, the beginning of the conversation, but one of the other areas that I, I see as a, a hurdle is getting the, the hands-on experience and getting just the exposure to the trades to, uh, high schoolers and even earlier than that. But how do you see the kind of some of the, the best ways to allow for those hands-on experiences and then to educate and, and find the, the high schoolers that are even interested in pursuing maybe something in the, the trades and construction? It's a, it's a really good question. And, uh, I think you know, there's a couple of answers to that. So to get young people the experience that they need, it, it takes a collective effort and it takes a commitment from those already in the blue collar industries to invest in their own future. 
one of the problems right now, Todd, is that our businesses in the trades are growing exponentially. They're growing quickly. They're mm -hmm. growing too fast to keep up with the demand for talent, which means what? It means that the faster we can bring in qualified people that we can put right into the job, the better chances we have to grow. The problem with that is those are the people we're talking about that are limited, right? And are very difficult to find. So we like to entertain the theory of bringing in apprentices, of bringing in high schoolers, you know, but it's an investment on our part. You know, you can't just turn them loose. They'll kill somebody or kill themselves. I mean, they don't know anything about it. They need to be taught, right? And, and so they need to be invested in. So it takes a collective effort, but, you know, um, any way that you can bring on an apprentice, whether they're in high school, after high school, or, and now I'm going to answer your second question, how do we get them into, interested? We've got to start before high school. We've got to start in middle school. High school, you'll get you'll get one type of person in high school. You'll get the type of person that don't doesn't know what they want to do the rest of their life. You know, that's your your target demographic in the high school setting. If you can go, if you can rewind to middle school, then you can actually convince those that have yet to choose a trajectory, to choose a career you'll be able to, to educate them to look at the blue collar trades when they, when they, when it comes time to decide, mm -hmm. you know, because most high schoolers have already made the decision to go to college or not work in the trades, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, that's really, that's what it boils down to. So I would say, you know, our best opportunity is to go younger is to go, you know, middle school. I even know, you know, some people in the trades that have come up with um, like coloring books for elementary school students, you know, uh, just to just to get it ingrained in their head that, you know, they don't have to be a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, you know, a stockbroker, uh, you know, desk jockey, basically, if they don't want to be, you know, they they there's other options on the table. And, and that's what we need to see. Yeah, no, I more than agree with that. And I think going younger, I mean, there's something inherently cool, especially playing into gender roles here, but uh, specifically for young boys too, obviously construction super cool for girls too. And girls like, uh, you know, seeing all the, the construction trucks and everything out on a job site, but there's, there's something about construction sites specifically for, for boys that is just, it grips them. Yeah. My oldest is six and man, he can just sit and watch a construction site. It doesn't have to be anything super exciting happening on <laughs> the job site. He just loves watching it. And he'll sit there for hours if we let him yeah. just gripped by it. So I think going younger and, and exposing it and being like, yeah, no, this is great. Let's go talk to the the people that are on the site and, and see what they're doing. Uh, yeah, even just watch it. I think exposing them at a young age and kind of normalizing it <laughs> for lack of yeah. a, a better word, I, I think is we, we have to do that in order to make it just even a fighting chance and, and possibility that people can look at this as a, a career opportunity. hundred percent. I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. You know, it's, uh, it's just, it's so interesting to me that it feels like it's actively being suppressed. I had a guy on my podcast, uh, uh probably last year already, uh, but he's a plumber. Right. And he comes comes from a lineage of plumbers. His dad was a plumber. His grandfather was a plumber. 
you know, owns his own plumbing company now. But when he was in high school, his counselor looked at him dead in the face and said, you're too smart to be a plumber. You're, and, and so he, he listened and he went to be a computer programmer. He went to college. He went, you know, he, he, he got into computer engineering. He flunked out. He hated it. You know, it was the it was the worst advice that he had ever gotten in his entire life. And now he owns a, a friggin eight figure plumbing business, you know. Yeah. But but it's it, it goes to show that, you know, I don't think it's it's malicious. I think it's ignorance. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the, the people that have come up now and they are counselors and teachers and educators and parents, they think they're doing the right thing. But at the end of the day, they can't admit that they're not sure what that is, right? They just, they're just doing as they're, as they're told or as they were taught, you know, but yeah, we need to nurture that. Like if, 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 if your son is fascinated by construction sites, man, start talking about being a foreman, being a, you know, I mean, being a, 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 a manager of some kind or, or, you know, out on these construction sites, being able, I mean, listen, I'm a big advocate too for, I think I put it in the book this way, right? If, if the zombie apocalypse were to ever come about, right? Tradespeople would be the last one standing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I think there's a lot to be said about real life skill, sustainability and necessity when it comes to being prepared and, you know, having the ability to swing a hammer. Right. And they'll and, come in handy to, to bash some zombie brains in for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? That's awesome. <laughs> I'm, I have all these scenes from the walking dead flashing through my mind. now. <laughs> no, right, me too. <laughs> that makes a ton of sense. <laughs> I think it's, it's a good hot take. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Uh, well, uh, how do you get out of the construction bubble? You know, you were, you're talking about the, yeah. Uh, the the trades bubble earlier how do you get out of that bubble to to reach those that don't have that natural tie into the industry that's tough right i think that's tough for all of the business owners and and trade business owners specifically Uh, but it's it boils down to a couple of things it boils down to marketing you know, typically marketing in the blue collar trades has not been uh, the highest of priorities. And uh, the ones that do place a high priority on it, the marketing has not typically been super entertaining. And listen, there's exceptions to every rule. I'm just speaking generally right now. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, you know, but uh, historically, we haven't been able to captivate a new audience, um, you know, by showing the value of the trades and hard work and what can be accomplished and stuff like that. You know, it's, Hey, we need technicians call this number, you know, or, I mean, that's basically it. Um, the other part I think is creating the type of culture that once you do get somebody from outside of that bubble to come to you, they, they start talking, right. Holy Mm. cow. I can't believe what this company does for me and for our employees. You know, what a great place to work. I never would have thought, you know, uh, an HVAC company would treat their, their employees like this. This is fantastic. Now, all of a sudden they tell their friends and their friends tell their friends a little bit of a longer term solution there, but still I think has to be run simultaneously, you know, to the marketing concept and then just putting yourself out there. I mean, like, uh, like me, for instance, you know, 
I didn't know what the book was going to lead to, but I've had the opportunity now to be able to speak all over the country on stages for, uh, for not only for companies, but for schools and stuff like that, you know, uh, that allows me to speak uh, personally with people outside of the bu bubble about what's inside of it, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. which I think will help. So people like me, people like you doing what we're doing uh, is, is vital in reaching people outside that bubble. Yeah, no, I more than agree with all that. that a, that's a, a, a kind of a soapbox issue for me <laughs> is that the marketing problem in construction and, and yeah. not telling the stories that are happening here, because we're leaving it up to people that have no idea what happens on a job site outside of what they see as a, a stereotype on a TV show. We're leaving it to those people to tell what's actually happening. And they don't know. And then, so we have this compounding problem of misconception and misperceptions and uh, just ignorance of what's going on. And if we have nobody to blame for that, but the industry itself, if we're not taking ownership of going out and kind of crowdsourcing our stories and our different perspectives and uh, vantage points on the industry, that there are so many different perspectives and angles and positions in the industry we have to be able to share that. And yeah, collectively, we don't do a great job. I agree hundred percent. Perception is reality as they say. Yeah, exactly. Well, how do people find out more information and connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I'm at Josh Zolan everywhere, uh, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, all that same handle. Uh, or you can go to blues, the new white.com. Uh, I've got all my information and the podcast is there as well, or just Google blues, the new white man. You'll find me. <laughs> Sounds good. Awesome. Final question for you. What does innovation mean to you? Mm, good question. Innovation means not accepting when somebody says, this is how we've always done it. And uh, yeah, simply put, finding a new and better way. Nice. I like it. And that answer drives me crazy that this is the way we've always done it <laughs> okay but is it working <laughs> <laughs> it's fine if it is and that's you know but anyway that's another tangent <laughs> yeah no kidding <laughs> uh, well, josh thanks so much for for taking the time and, and unpacking and thanks for sharing your perspective and and all that you're doing absolutely thanks for having me on todd this was awesome and now it's time for my todd takes from this episode first take Blue and white collar jobs should be on an equal playing field. The reality is the lines between blue and white collar jobs are really blurring anyway. Second take, one of the best ways to attract new blood to the trades is by promoting hands-on exposure to the trades. As a teaser, you will want to listen to next week's episode with guest Angie Simon as she talks about what she's doing to provide such an experience. And finally, we learned an important takeaway in this conversation. If the zombie apocalypse happens, you will want to make sure your group contains a ton of your trades friends. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor applied software at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyant. 
edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an Applied Software production. Copyright Applied Software 2022.